Hi and welcome to the Digital Accessibility Podcast with me, your host, Joe James. Throughout this series, I will be interviewing professionals who work within the space to share their expertise, journeys and general thoughts on the key issues facing the industry today. My aim is to provide an in-depth look into the world of digital accessibility and the impact it has on the lives of anyone who interacts with digital technology. Our goal is to bridge the skills gap in the current market and inspire others to join the movement towards a more accessible digital world. So whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, I hope that this platform will provide you with valuable insights and practical advice from experts and advocates in this extremely important community. Today I'm joined by Ronnie Hendricks, who is the Head of Accessibility at Nomensa. Nomensa are a strategic UX agency based in Bristol, London and Amsterdam. They work hard to create groundbreaking experiences that make a measurable difference to the way that people live. Ronnie has been with the accessibility team at Nomensa for almost two years now, working with some huge brands and clients across a variety of industries. He also provides talks and webinars on a regular basis to increase awareness of what we can all be doing to ensure a more accessible world for everyone. So welcome to the podcast, Ronnie. Hi, Joe. Yeah, thank you for uh, for having me here today on the, on the podcast. Uh, thrilled to be chatting some accessibility with you. Um, it's like you said, Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Um, so yeah, uh, an amazing opportunity every year uh, to bring another uh, further bit of awareness to to this amazing field of work. Um, there's of course countless of online and offline activities going on uh, across the space and across the globe. Uh, but uh, yeah, glad to to bring some of that on your uh, on your podcast today. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here, and as someone that's I think quite well known across the space with your your talks and webinars. So really, really, it's an honour to have you talking on this uh, this episode. Um, it's great that it's the twelfth annual Global Accessibility Awareness Day, or GAD. Um, great that there is a full day just to you know celebrate the advances that we've we've had so far. But there's still a way to go, as we both know. So uh, yeah, we will. Um, I'm sure we'll speak a bit more about that as we go through the episode. <laughs> we probably will, yes. <laughs> so we met recently, uh, had a great chat, put the world to rights. It wasn't all digital accessibility, but that was the main the main focus, I suppose. Um, and I'm sure we'll do the same again today. But to save us sort of going off topic, I'm going to try and stick to some preset questions to keep us on track, if that's OK with you. Yeah, yeah that, that should be fine. Uh, by all means, try and keep me on the rails. <laughs> I'll try my very best. Um, so I guess I'd like to start by discussing or asking you how your journey into accessibility began. And I believe you started out studying IT and development from quite a young age. Yeah, I did. So yeah, uh, right right into the deep end. Well, um, that is that is correct. Um, I I did, and uh, I've been around computers for as long as I I can remember, really, um, which uh, eventually led me to study in IT. Um, was a was a pretty broad one though. Uh, it contained both the hard and the software side. Uh, so uh, so we did a lot of fiddling around with uh, Cisco uh, routers and uh, programming uh, all at the same time, really. Um, and then um, my my initial contact with accessibility was was um, I in my in my final year, I developed a, a repetitive stress injury RSI uh, uh, problems. Um, having, uh, of course, ignored all of the symptoms that go ahead, like tingling fingers and and, and all that uh, jazz. Um, and it, that, yeah, that was my really first 
first time interaction that that accessibility came into into my my viewing perspective um and and i needed to to change the way i was i was working um and and yeah i, I found that it was really hard to um to 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 work even with with the programs and and the web pages that i was building in, at the time um which yeah um was pretty confrontational to to, uh, to 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 say the least. So um, yeah, I in, into transitioning, I, I dabbled into speech recognition to to uh, maybe help with writing my papers, um, and that's that's I think looking back, still one of the things that baffles me the most. Um, that looking at um, well now you you click on a microphone on your on your mobile device, and it will basically transcribe whatever you. Even me as a not English, not native English person, I can dictate in English and it'll it'll recognize my my speech in, in pretty high fidelity uh, without it needing any sort of like uh, training or, or onboarding. Um, but back then, uh, like a good 20 years ago, when I when I dabbled in in uh, with, with Dragon at the time, I, I had to spend countless and countless hours trying to train the software to recognize my voice um, and then I was in a different space didn't bring my headset with me so I had to work with the onboard microphone uh, and all you're basically back at square one again um, and it didn't matter whether that was Dutch or English like very uh, laborious uh, process to get that to get that running um, yeah. and I think that's one of the things that we often forget right it's like um, yes there's uh, a, a lot happening, um, but we've already come very far uh, in in the past two decades, and 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 that speed of progress, that's that just seems to be picking up. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's um, it's just, I mean, I I wanted to just mention something there on when you said that you're not a native English speaker. I've got to say that your English is much better than my Dutch would be. Um, so <laughs> I hear that it's, a, a lot. <laughs> it's a good thing yeah. that um that we're not I'm not trying to do this podcast in Dutch, but maybe we can uh, we can transcribe and translate it for, for a Dutch audience as well. Yeah, we, we, yeah I, I, I can probably do a bit of translation there. That would be brilliant. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so so anyways, uh, heading back to to that like intro into accessibility um, to after after. Dealing with repeated chest injury for for about a year trying to to recover and i was i was really debating like should i really be uh continuing to work in in the it sector um would that be like really the wisest choice for me uh mostly from a physical point of view mm. um and and at the time i decided not to and, and to change course um i've always been like a people person i've i've had interest in in psychology sociology so, Wow, sociology. Yeah, sociology. Is that it? I, it? No, I, Even that, I. I mean, yeah. I am a native English speaker, and I, I, I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's there's there's those types of words that I just cannot articulate well. Um, but I, uh, yeah, to pick it up. Uh, so I, um, I had that interest, and I, I switched into a into a social work direction. Um, and I think that to this day, that is that has probably been one of the most valuable choices of the time, uh, as that really put a foundation into play um, on on yeah what what turned me 
further in, in on my current work uh, with accessibility and what drives me, um, just learning more about how people function, um, not only in a physical way, but also in a, in a mental way and like things like dealing with adversities. Um, and, and to be honest, it helped myself a lot as well. Um, it it would prove a lot quicker though that I wanted than um, because because like a good three years in the um, repeated session he flared up again really badly at the time um, to that, to so much that and and very quickly like in a matter of weeks I uh, I was in, un, basically unable to do most physical activities that included my hands um, like drinking was hard um, like cooking food peeling potatoes, that kind of thing was was near impossible for 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 quite a while. Um, and I, I had to basically drop out and stop my social work um, study, which um, to this day still pains me a bit, not having finished that. Um, but by the time I recovered that uh, to a point where I could probably pick it back up again, uh, so many years had gone by that I would basically have to start all over again, um, which um, which I've not done yet, um, but yeah. So I, I would would spend about the next four years basically recovering um, before I like started reintegrating back into work. Um, yeah. Wow, and that's yeah. So an, an awful long time um, to be suffering with that, and then you know, like you said, working on or, or like you said, I think you've you've mentioned it just now utilizing accessibility features and things to help you with day-to-day -day, um sort of living um and did you do that throughout those those four years of of, of recovery i'm assuming that you know you, you delved yeah. even deeper yeah it, it was um in 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 those years where like especially in the beginning i i had to fall back on on what i had already discovered um in in the years before um but um because of the like the the high severity of of the, the the pain I was dealing with and and the the being physically incapable of of doing much um, I I had to further explore options that were out there um, in in terms of uh, um, other types of peripherals for example to uh, to be able to make to make uh, a, a a living situation. Uh, possible and and uh, to to uh, still be able to to use a computer to a point where you could do uh, things like your taxes and um, explore avenues of work um, look up treatments um, all all of that information was was digital and especially at the time repeated stress injury wasn't like a well-known thing so I had a really hard time getting any diagnosis done um, properly um, so that took a lot of online research as well, which which I needed accessibility features for. Uh, and then you only run into further uh, problems, uh, really. Um, so that's that's when I, um, yeah, started getting more exposed to to okay, what to if I need this, there's other people that need this, and and what is required to 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 make that happen. So so that's when I got exposed to to. The, the web content accessibility guidelines uh, and and things like that, um, and that's basically when when everything that started rolling uh, mm. 
on from there on out. Yeah. And that's, I suppose, with you, we hear this a lot in the digital accessibility community, it's your own lived experience, right? It's something that you've experienced, you've felt the need for um, an additional feature or an accessibility feature to help you to access information. And it's paramount that it just goes to show that those that need access to something like the World Wide Web, to look into treatments, to look into diagnoses, to look into how they can just live a more comfortable life without having to resort to, oh, I'll need to go to my GP or my doctor, I need to go to the library to, to look up, you know, and maybe we shouldn't suggest self-diagnosing uh, on the podcast. No, but, no, no, I would, I would um, very much <laughs> advise against that. Um, however, you know, it's something that we would take for granted. So someone, someone else may take for granted. Um, just having that simple access to be able to Google um, or use a search engine of, of <laughs> someone's preference choice, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to be able to look up information. And it oh. seems like such a simple feature, um, but actually it's not as easy for everyone to be able to use. But, you know, I digress. Um, but that's so I guess if you don't mind, would you mind delving into a little bit more about your experience of uh, repetitive uh, stress injury or strain injury and how it's shaped your outlook on digital and assistive technologies or how it's even then I mean we've kind of you've, you've mentioned slightly already but how it's shaped your career and, and your goals and objectives because it's it's already changed um, due to that but you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah sure um, yeah so like, like I said it's basically having RSI was my my gateway into the world of accessibility, um, and um, and and uh, a rather confrontational one at that. Uh, so first, there was the the initial situation where I was unable to do my day to day things um, that I that, like I could previously do all of those with with ease. Uh, I had no known disabilities or uh, specific access needs, um, and all of a sudden. They were there. Um, that's 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 one part of the confrontation. Um, I've also had to to. It's it's a bit of a a drive really for for whatever I was doing with or wanting to do with my IT study to to put that to a greater good in general. Um, so it, I quickly had that realization that. The things that I was building and 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 trying to do, like, and I was trying to do a good thing, mm -hmm. um, but they were already excluding people um, at the time, including myself. I, I was I was practically unable to use whatever I I, I had built at the time. Um, so that's the other the other confrontational part where okay, like, if if I'm struggling with this, like, um, gonna need to change. A couple of things to 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 make that happen. So, so I started exploring um, like the the capabilities of the, of what was out there at the time. Um, and and it's um, it like we're we're talking like a good, a good twenty years ago. So things like things like look promising, like like I discussed earlier, like with with Dragon for example, which um, looked great. And and uh, I was like, yes. This will help me finish my education. Mm. Um, so it looked really promising, but but then if the support's not there, it it still goes unutilized. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so as I found my way through learning to 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 live with uh, RSI and and recovering some uh, some capability, 
um, did this whole new world, uh, as we said, open up to me. Um, and, and at the time, I was still very much planning on on, on getting back into web web development uh, when I would recover, um, as I as I saw. Um, as an and we're we're talking like the, the period past my my social work study, because um, uh, I, I really saw the opportunity of of okay if I can recover myself, I can start again creating things that are then no longer excluding people. Uh, so I still wanted to get back into web development, um, um, which which meant I I started learning about accessibility and how I could better support it, um, and I started experimenting with uh, like other. Um, tools and and peripherals like like uh, screen readers and switches um, just to be able to see, OK, how can I make this work with what I'm creating? Mm. Um, and like most people that I meet nowadays, they don't know that I have uh, this condition um, and it's still very much something that I I deal with every single day. Um, it's always been a weak spot uh, over the over the past decades and and it'll it'll always remain a weak spot as well so so as a result of it um i i have a, a, a nerve nerve damage um which is runs bilaterally from my neck in, into both arms um and that means that uh, like i have like a burning slash tingling sensation pretty much 24 7. um if you wow. if you sorry I said, wow, it's just it's just awful. And you wouldn't like you say it's, it's invisible. You wouldn't know that you're experiencing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's like, that, that, that's also a, a pretty was a pretty big revelation for myself. Like this, um, like I'm having this, I'm having trouble explaining it to people. They don't see it. They don't see the impact of it. Um, I'll, I'll get to the impact in a bit, but but yeah, it, it 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 was a very big revelation for me. Like, okay, it's not only um, about like it's not only people with physical disabilities. Like, there there's so much hidden um, adversities that that people struggle with that you 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 might have zero clue about. Mm. Um, so so what it what it currently means for me. Um, having uh, been like quote unquote recovered, like I'm I'm able to do my work. Uh, I I work pretty much uh, full time, if not more, um, and I'm and I'm doing well. Um, but there's there's that ever burning sensation uh, still lingering in my body. Um, that if if you'd put a pain scale to it, like like a one to ten scale, I'll I'll probably be on a four on an average day. Uh, so that's that that's considered like the low end of moderate pain, um, which is not gonna lie, pretty annoying still. Um, but uh, you somehow learn to live with it a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it it it'll never it it's always present, um, but it's still noticeable even after all those years. Um, and then on a, on a bad day, you'd probably look look at like a six or so, uh, which means it's it's really hard for me to ignore, and and will probably uh, I'll, I'll probably start avoiding uh, certain activities. Um, and if it gets worse than that, then other people will will start to know. Like I'm I'm pretty transparent in how I feel and and what I'm capable of. Um, mostly because I've I've been uh, uh, burned out twice because of it, like ignoring it and then just chugging along. Yeah. Uh, which uh, which doesn't help. So uh, you you learn to be honest with yourself, really. Um, 
and then uh, but yeah the, those bad days luckily are like i've learned a lot about myself and and we've again we've come a long way in terms of um um like other ways of operating computers like if if my keyboard and my mouse my, my mouse are um not the tools of the trade for the day then i can happily switch to an ipad and keep on doing things in a different format um yeah. which which wasn't possible the t 20 years ago so uh yeah wow yeah and it's um some again the, these invisible things that we come come past every day and you just think wow it's uh um and you again you're mentioning we've come a long way it's a lot better in terms of what is available to you in terms of different technologies different tools um and sort of features and things that you can you can use as well um but again so i, I guess even it's a fascinating and it's a horror it's a terrible story like it's just it's horrible to hear that you've had to go through that um so i'm sorry that that's been the case but you've shown great resolve obviously over the last two decades to, to get to sort of where you are currently in your work so i'm assuming that has also shaped sort of what you want to do with your career and and, and your own objectives as well yeah yeah it definitely has it's um it's it's definitely given me like an open mind mind uh, about what access needs are and and mm. how that differs from person to person. Um, that there, there's no way for me to know what it means for someone else to have a disability. Um, uh, and even then, if you uh, like uh, the experience and the needs. The, the the access needs that 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 someone has will differ from from the ones I have and from the ones that the next person will have. Um, to and and that, and that to that point, like the the concepts of accessibility and and, and more more so maybe even uh, like inclusive design are are key ones because like you're enabling whatever you're creating for the biggest possible group of people. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, I think to answer like the initial question on how how this shaped my career, um, it's by now pretty pretty clear that without RSI, I'm I, I'm not even sure I would have ended up in this space, and and where I am now, um, and 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 doing like the enabling work that that we're doing, so so others can benefit from that as well. Um, so I'd probably be on a on on the receiving end of the effort that that the industry puts out um, instead, uh, yeah. much like most of our clients are, um, and 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 that's what what pretty much drives me uh, because there's still so many people out there that are like unaware of of the capabilities they have um, to make their own products more inclusive. Um, like I've learned that the hard way. Um, and I, if I can save someone a, a little bit of that effort and, and give them like tools and tips to start working on more inclusive products, um, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's mm. pretty much what drives me really. That's pretty, and it's almost doubly rewarding. It's, it's rewarding in the sense that you're helping, um, so many hundreds of thousands of people really with access to certain clients, uh, tools and products and services um, that they may not have had without your input, but also rewarding for yourself 
for future reference you know and, and we are we are an aging population that are using technology so everyone's going to have additional needs um as they grow older um but i mean it's again sorry to hear about your struggles with rsi but it's great to hear that you've sort of you've come through the other end and you're you're still doing some great work and you're making you're turning it into a positive which is a, a wonderful thing to to see and hear about and i mean we, when we last met uh, i spoke about my imposter syndrome um mm. and it comes to this podcast and supporting digital accessibility um as someone with no visible or known disabilities or additional needs who who is joe james who is this guy putting his voice and thoughts out to the community and it's i think it is a, a big problem in the industry um um i don't know have you had any experience of imposter syndrome as much as i know that you've had your struggles but they're not maybe known by many people that you work with um yeah i mean imposter syndrome can, can be a really difficult thing to deal with indeed um and uh, i think it's it's only gotten worse over the past two decades uh, especially with with the rise of social media um it's like it exposes you to so many other people's in, uh, even in this space and 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 they they do such amazing work uh day to day that it's you it's like it's 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 often hard you start comparing and things get difficult so um but the, on the other hand like social media also often has the the tendency to to highlight like a very vocal minority like if you're in the algorithm you're in the algorithm uh the, the type type of deal maybe um so, so it's not really uncommon to have thoughts like like right who am i to to even add to 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 this accessibility narrative really um the, the, there's also a bit where i feel people in general um sp especially online uh, uh but but also in the accessibility space sometimes um can be be uh, harsh or or maybe quick to quick to judge um to give a to, to give an example like, I, I mean i'll reject or or advise against the, the usage of, of overlays as a solution uh, for, for web accessibility um, like every single day. Um, but I, but I, but I've also seen people re recently get like virtually almost condemned because they've made um, uh, a, a misinformed on their end decision to to include one and and posted about it uh, like. In, in a way like like this is what we're doing to to help accessibility um and then um people like cracking down on it in um in 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 a very harsh way because it um like we we're we're in this space because we are passionate about it and we want the solutions to be the right ones um and, but it, it, then it, it makes me really sad if we then um, crack down on someone uh, because they, they've made a misinformed decision. Um, mm. It's not really helping in a, in a positive way, and, and it reinforces that that feeling of in, imposter syndrome that it gives it gives you. Uh, like, what if what if I make a mistake, right? What if what if I accidentally advise someone incorrectly, or I give them an advice and. Um, uh, I uh, totally uh, in the moment forgot about the other 
accessibility challenge that that solution might impose and and they, they, they like now they now one problem is solved but they now have another problem to deal with <laughs> yeah and then getting cracked down on that i mean that's that's um it's it's uh uh yeah so so, so i think it's it's good to remember that uh even even for yourself joe uh like you're you're someone wearing glasses and and like we discussed last time like you need them to be able to do your day-to-day -day living um which means you all rep already represent like what two-thirds of the population um it's it's, it's like it's, everyone's likely to to need like the, the majority of people is likely to need glasses somewhere during their life um and like the precise need might differ. You, you might have far, farsightedness or short-sightedness or stigmatism. Um, like nobody can tell what kind of glasses you're wearing from the outside. Um, so I feel a lot less lonely. <laughs> yeah, you, you should. You should definitely. Yeah. Um, and the, the same goes for myself. Like people that um, that that meet me for the first time. Like I'm almost two meters tall, and I'm pretty big like they see a tall wide dutch giant uh, <laughs> but uh, they know nothing about my daily struggles that we talked about uh, so I, I i really feel that someone's deeds will show their intent um, and if your words or your actions reach someone that others haven't reached then that's a win in my book that's someone else that is now more aware of accessibility and the need for inclusive design that's one more than we had yesterday. It's the yeah, so it's the intent behind what we're doing. Like you yeah. said about the, the overlays, someone has tried their best. That's the best. They've got some very good salespeople that are prompting people the use of overlays on, on people's websites because it's a it seems like a one size fits all solution um, to make your website accessible to other, um, to those with any additional needs. But as we know, it can actually impede progress. Um, it stops the usage and it can actually create more issues for people um, with disabilities or additional needs. So it's, if, um, if we approach those people because of their intent and not of their actions, that would be a positive interaction. Yeah, which 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 in my eyes is one of the ways of combating imposter syndrome. Brilliant. And that's good to know. And it's just yeah, it's <laughs> I suppose we can only do what we want, what we what we can and hope for the best as well. Um, and I just hope that this this kind of podcast, this content um, is just going to do the the thing that I intend it to do, and that's raise awareness. I just want people to know and be talking a bit more about accessibility and what we can be doing. So um, brilliant. Um, but as we all know, so I work as a recruitment consultant in the digital technology development and obviously accessibility space. So some of our listeners are those aspiring designers, developers and engineers. Um, but could you give us an insight into what an average day or a day probably isn't enough, so maybe a week, <laughs> um, what that entails for you as the head of accessibility at Nemensa and who are the key sort of people that you would interact with um, on a daily basis? Yeah, I think I think I can. I can run you through that. Um, it's probably more meetings than I'd like to be than I'd like it to be. Uh, to to be honest, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, but in all seriousness, um, so as head of accessibility, 
uh, like I have a couple of responsibilities. So there's uh, there's of course a series of internal uh, meetings around things like scheduling uh, uh, and basically making sure that our team has all of the time and the resources they need to deliver excellent work. So uh, there's there's some internal logistics going on there. Um, I uh, I also join in on a lot of our initial sales conversations um, with with uh, current and and potential clients, um, helping to outline, of course, our services and and like determining how best we can we can support them on their on their uh, accessibility journey. Um, luckily, also get to still work with with some of our own like amazing clients uh, uh, actively as a practitioner, um, and that. Pretty much ranges across all of our services. So, so there could be doing an audit. Um, I have a couple of training sessions coming up this week uh, uh, as we uh, we uh, talk pre-show, um, which which I'm currently doing prep for. Um, could be uh, like general uh, consultancy type things uh, where um, we just have an hour long session with a client and they bring whatever they're currently struggling with to the table, um, which to me are the most fun because. It, it's on the spot thinking and interacting and, and uh, collaboratively coming up with a solution with a client instead of them just telling them this is how you should do it. Uh, we, we I'm, I'm very much uh, like a, a, a progress over uh, over perfection type type of guy. So I'd rather see we make small steps to to improve than than try and solve a problem uh, in in one go. Uh, so yeah, it's it's, it's anything really to to help solidify. Uh, our clients' knowledge um, within their teams. Um, for me, the goal is always to, like I said, it's their accessibility journey. So it's it's about me or or our team, uh, rather, um, helping them along the way to self-sufficiently uh, be able to make uh, uh, the correct steps, um, which also means that we can build more awareness and, and uh, accessibility uh, capability with, with hopefully another client uh, while confidently um, like um, uh, taking the wheels off uh, yeah. with, with a current client. Take the training wheels off, let them go on their yeah. own and see if, yeah, hopefully they stay up on two wheels. Uh, <laughs> but brilliant. And that's, I guess, um, you would therefore be interacting with all manner of, of of roles. So I suppose developers that are struggling to understand what they need to change within their code examples. Yeah. You'd have designers at the initial stage where I guess you would hope the conversation is is starting when it comes to accessibility or inclusive design. Um, and even I, th I suppose through to testers or um, maybe even risk managers and things and compliance. Is, is it across the board basically? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much across the board. Uh, like you said, uh, it's it's developers, testers, QA, um, but also uh, raising awareness with, with SLT or, or CSU uh, departments to, um, because in the end, I, I very much believe that you need it like, uh, is it a pinch remover? Like a, like a two-way approach. You need both a top-down support and, and you need a bottom-up foundation to, uh, to, to, like properly implement uh, um, a well-rounded accessibility program. So, yeah, um, yeah we're, we're I'm pretty much uh, chatting to to anyone I can speak to really. <laughs> anyone that will listen, which is good. Anyone um, that will listen, yes. <laughs> and I think the 
it's important, like you said, to attack it from all angles. Um, and then I suppose you have the top down approach for decision makers because they need to be aware that this is something that's actually going to benefit overall. Um, and they will be the ones that say yes or no to any changes you're hoping to implement or, or you know, um, advise upon. So um, very interesting stuff. I'm sure you've had some <laughs> challenging conversations in your day to day work as well. They can be challenging, yes, um, but they can also be um, really, um, really engaged. And like people, um, people often think that it's like yes, of course, it's 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 also about the money, uh, always because like it's a business, right? It it makes sense, um, but. Um, at least the clients that we work with, uh, which I don't know, probably won't go for every client, but the clients that we work with are all very much engaged and invested in wanting to better their product uh, for a wider group of people. Uh, and it's not it's not only the wider group of people, but it's it's providing a better experience for all of their uh, uh, for all of their clients. Um, which um, uh, they are more than more than keen to to explore avenues uh, once uh, once you put in in like not sure if framing is the correct word but you, you, yeah it's about painting the right picture yeah definitely at least to give, giving that so planting that seed and then they can hopefully make some more informed decisions themselves yeah. as well isn't it excellent um good stuff and um so you gave a talk a great talk recently on the global regulations in place for digital accessibility um don't worry i'm not going to ask you to do the whole thing again um, <laughs> just for our audience um but i wanted to touch on that point in general though because seeing as today is global accessibility awareness day and there are so many companies speakers and advocates um sharing advice and tips on how to gain buy-in for accessibility unfortunately one tactic that has always been useful i wouldn't say successful but across most sectors is the kind of scare tactics or always pushing on the risks that are involved um so on that point do you feel that the current regulations across the globe or the penalties that are in place are justified or are they strict enough to build that buy-in from business decision makers like we were just discussing um do you think you can scare people into change <laughs> Not, not a really cookie cutter answer uh, there to that question. Um, in in the webinar, I I dealt with the EU part of things, the UK and the US, which it's our three main markets. So uh, that that's uh, but like it heavily depends on on which market a company operates in. Um, in the US, as most people that are, have been in the accessibility space for, for a while, uh, probably know, but that there's definitely, uh, it's a big, if not the biggest driver, because uh, the risk of getting sued is far bigger and the costs involved quickly amount to a rather substantial sum of figures, mm. um, both in, in direct legal fees, like mo mostly the settlement fees are lackluster uh, at, at best but, but all of the surrounding legal fees uh, is is what really drives the bill up um but there's also 
all of the 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 resulting reputational damage that that a lawsuit brings with it. And no company wants to be in the in the national newspapers because they uh, they've been sued because their their website isn't accessible. Yeah. Um, there might have 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 however be a change coming. Um, I mean, we we've we've seen um, over the past years uh, like several thousand lawsuits being filed every year um, by by what what are so-called serial filers, which are plaintiffs that file multiple lawsuits in in a certain period of time, um, and it and it looks like that it's going to be less effective. Like they they might have the chance that um, the chance that their cases get approved for court might might drop because because they are ser serial filers. They are um, what the court is deeming like testers for accessibility. Like and they are debating whether that person would actually be a potential customer, right. um, which is one of the well, one of the, uh, the more baseline requirements. Like are you uh, just trying to to get something going here or or are, were you actually trying to order something for example mm. so there might be a bit of a um of a shift there um so it's interesting to see how that changes um over the coming months or or years um it's for sure an interesting uh, change to keep ourselves informed of um in the uk and the the eu markets though the, the chances of getting sued are extremely low um there's just differences in legal systems and uh, like someone needs to go through multiple multiple steps before a case even goes to court um like there there there's in the UK there have been court cases and and some or at least there's been cases filed to my knowledge they're all been they've all been settled outside of court uh, no figures they're all uh, settled behind closed doors um, but I know the Royal National Institute of the Blind uh, was involved with a couple of those. Mm. Um, but yeah, before you get there, like you need to start filing formal complaints uh, and and start to get a conversation going with a supplier to actively sort it out before you before they like they they would probably actively say no, we don't want to make this accessible for you before you get to a certain point. Where, okay, let let. I have something. I feel discriminated, and I can go to court. Right? Mm. Um, and that, there's there's the the EU Accessibility Act coming up, with, which um, allows people to start filing cases with their national courts uh, probably more easily. But I don't see it changing massively because the same the same steps of approaching a supplier and starting to work with them, and then like the situation would need to come to a to a to a halt before. Uh, you would be able to to still uh, progress. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is it is still like the perspective itself, the, the legal perspective is still a good topic of conversation, uh, especially with senior leadership teams, um, as it is. It's also their responsibility to comply with the law. So mm. even though the chance of a lawsuit is rather slim, again, reputational damage uh, is is always something they are cautionate about. Uh, because those like the, the those things are their responsibility. Um, 
as well. So that that's uh, uh, so so we we I, I, it is definitely a topic I bring up uh, in awareness uh, conversations um, as a bit of a, a starter, really, because um, once you've laid it out like that, there's like other, in my opinion, better foundations to to continue the conversation afterwards. Um, including yeah. just just making a better product. Definitely. Yeah, and it's I think I was speaking to someone else recently. I think it may have been I don't want to say names, actually. <laughs> there was someone I was speaking to that previously worked in the public sector for the Home Office and um, or one of the, the government bodies in the UK. And he was mentioning that the way that it is in the UK, at least, is that you would give formal warning to said company or public sector and uh, they would have sort of three months for them to be able to sort of come to a solution, go back to the, you know, the user or, or whoever's made a complaint and say, you know, we've we've tried this. Does this make it better for you? So there's an awful lot of time for people to be able to go, oh, actually, we should do something about this rather than, right, you're going to court next week. Um, so you need to buck your ideas up and have someone that's able to make this change immediately. So, yeah, I suppose it's like you say, it's a good conversation starter. No one wants to go to market and go, hey, look, we had all these complaints from people that can't use our product. Do you want to buy it? Um, it's <laughs> that's probably the better way to, to phrase it, I suppose. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, but it's across both. I think you've mentioned public, public and private sector as well, isn't it? It's, it's, um, it's, it's a yeah, and a private sector is, of course, a bit more regulated in that sense, like there's formal laws that they need to comply with and uh, those are actively being monitored so um, although I have some opinions about the monitoring system uh, across both the, the UK and the EU market but in general it, it helped improve accessibility um, for residents uh, to, to be able to use government services so, uh, going in the right direction just yeah. slowly <laughs> slowly and uh to much to my point I, I still feel like it's very much um uh, a tick box exercise for quite a lot of um organizations still even in the even in the public sector it's like okay we've we've done this and now we need to like they have a lot of responsibilities i get that mm. and, and 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 like balancing priorities but uh, uh we are moving forward that's uh, that, that's a good thing. Yeah, take the small wins. I suppose that's what that's what we need to do and keep that driving. Progress over perfection. There you go. Exactly. Um, but brilliant. So that brings me on to a, a final question, and it's probably quite a ambiguous one. So don't feel too much pressure. But um, <laughs> the final question I'm asking on each episode of the podcast is: What do you personally feel is the most one of the the simplest, most cost-effective and convenient ways that anyone can implement more digital accessibility within their line of work or their daily lives? Ooh. I mean, if you're interested in accessibility um, and, and you're like the individual, um, just start talking about the, the topic with colleagues. Uh, get that conversation going. Um, realize that the that that accessibility in itself never sits with a single point in the process so everyone can play their part everyone can improve accessibility and inclusion in your product um, that could be your co-developer or the designer 
uh, that you're uh, having a chat with or the user researcher. Um, everyone, everyone can do this. Okay, if you're a researcher, include people with access needs uh, in your in your um, uh, uh, user base. If you're a designer, like think of different interaction types. Um, start annotating your designs with uh, accessibility requirements so a developer um, won't go asking for them uh, but already knows like okay this is component x and i need to take in these considerations into account when i start implementing it uh, on the other side if you're a dev with an accessibility passion ask for those annotations make sure that you get delivered what you need um, to or like Clearing up any any uncertainty on how a component should operate, like what kind of functionality should you implement, and then you can start thinking, okay, okay, if I need to implement it in this way, then I need to account for X, Y, Z when it comes to accessibility. Uh, mm. so, so it's it's really about collaboration uh, in in that sense. Um, other things like just stick to standards, use proper HTML. Um, because you get a lot of accessibility for free that way. Um, if you're on the business side, um, say you're dealing with procurement, um, like start including questions on accessibility uh, whenever you uh, procure a new product. Um, and, and don't be afraid to either ask, like ask, settle for the initial answers, because if you if you ask, do you know how to do accessibility? Like a company that replies to your bid will always say yes. Mm -hmm. So always dive deeper into give examples. Show me why you're uh, you're good at this. Um, if you can uh, ask like for uh, an audit report from the supplier, um, so you don't have to pay one for yourself uh, once you've procured it, because then you're stuck with a product uh, which is likely inaccessible. Um, I'm I'm secretly hoping that like the VPAT, the voluntary product accessibility template, gets more traction in in the UK and the EU uh, from suppliers. Like that they um, that's that's a document that outlines all of the accessibility features and limitations of a product. So if you as a buyer then should be fully informed. Okay, this is the current state, um, and and you can make an informed decision based on that. Uh, in the end, everyone can make a big impact. Uh, just take small steps. Brilliant. Progress, not perfection. There we go. Um, it's um, it, something that, just to touch on that as well, it's something that we've had to do relatively recently. So PCR Digital completely revamped um, and redesigned and developed our website to ensure that we are you know, practicing what we preach. You know, I've I specialize in digital accessibility recruitment. So having a, a website that may not have been fully accessible to some people wouldn't yeah. make sense it would look awful you know <laughs> so we, we we went out to suppliers we went to web development agencies and you know we, we interviewed each of them and asked them those specific questions and like you say everyone will say yes <laughs> we've done that before of course we have yeah it's fine buy our product um but we delved in a little deeper it helped that i knew the found the, the fundamentals what to ask um so I completely agree. And I think, yeah, just talking about it is, you know, is what I'm trying to do. So, and obviously, as people probably know by now, I like to talk. So <laughs> it's a good thing. That helps. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But final thoughts. So, um, yeah, I guess just take some time to share anything of real importance to you at the moment, either within accessibility or something in your own personal life. Uh, I think I'll just reiterate what I just said. Um, I think I see a lot of people in our space getting like the accessibility space, getting getting burned out um, because they're not just seeing enough progress. Um, people like we 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 said this and uh, when talking about social media, but we're, we're all fighters. We all want to see things change and we want to see change quicker. Uh, but we need to keep in mind that every step taken, um, like every person you talk to that did not know about accessibility yesterday and you've spoken to them today, he now does. And that is still progress. Um, it's difficult, I'll be honest, to keep that mindset going, uh, especially if you've been in a space uh, and or, or you see like hard work that you've done over the years be torn down in a matter of months with a reorganization or um, it can be a very big struggle, um, but every step is progress. Amazing. Perfect. I mean, I was I was going to finish with a quote and I'll probably I'll mention it because it touches on something you said, but I love that. And I might even quote you in, in future episodes to say Roddy Hendricks once said every step is still progress. So you will be. Featured I don't, in the I've, future. I've definitely not come up with that one. But, uh... <laughs> well, it's a great line, so I'll definitely be using it some somewhere. Um, but so one of the one of the quotes that I, I've sort of um, come across in, in in my own line of work, working with, with certain companies for their recruitment needs. Uh, it was Tim Cook from uh, CEO of Apple once upon a time said that accessibility is not a feature, it's a mindset, which I think reinforces a lot of what we've discussed today, um, that it's for and about everyone, not just those who we perceive to have disabilities, but we really need to think about what we're doing for our users, and that's everyone. Um, and that way we can only just we could just drive growth and innovation by including everyone um, and allowing them barrier free access to products, services and technologies that we create. Um, but yeah, so once so thank you so much again, Ronnie, for joining yeah, me on the episode today. Um, it's always great speaking with you and, and you know, I've gained a little bit more knowledge and hopefully everyone else listening will do too. Um, thank you also for the incredible work that you're doing with Nomensa and in the space. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are, are aware of you and your, your ambitions and, and goals and um, hopefully they'll reach out to you directly if they've got any questions or need a nudge in the right direction. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'd be happy. I think the, the best place would be LinkedIn, honestly. Uh, yeah. I've, I've stepped away from, uh, I have a Twitter account, but I've <laughs> properly stepped away from most social media. So yeah. uh, LinkedIn will be uh, the way, the, the easiest way to reach me. But uh, yeah, by all means, uh, reach out. Always happy Perfect. to chat and help people along. Brilliant. Thank you so much again, Ronnie. And um, yeah, I'll share any uh, links to any sites and resources that we've discussed today in the episode, along with along with the link to this. Um, I look forward to staying in touch with you as well moving forward. Um, but thanks again been a pleasure. Likewise. See you around. Thank you once again to Ronnie and Nomensa for joining us on this episode today. I hope that Ronnie's stories provided some insight into how everyone's story is different when it comes to digital accessibility and working within this space. 
If you also suffer with RSI or imposter syndrome, or have been affected in similar ways to Ronnie or myself, please reach out as we'd be more than happy to help wherever we can. You can reach Ronnie on LinkedIn, just search for Ronnie Hendricks or click on the profile link that I'll provide within this episode to connect with him. As a reminder, PCR Digital provide bespoke recruitment and resourcing solutions for clients large and small. We've helped to fill difficult positions with permanent staff and contractors in the tech space, including iOS, macOS and Android developers, accessibility professionals at all levels, software engineers and developers, project and program managers, business analysts, IT support professionals, content designers and managers, as well as testers and technical analysts. If you'd like to hear more about our services and how we can help take the stress of recruitment and resourcing away from you, just get in touch via the links provided, visit us at pcrdigital.com or call the office on 0207 479 7980. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.